So this morning, the scripture is uh, from the Gospel of John in the 14th chapter. Now, uh, the Gospel of John is probably the the last of the Gospels to be written, uh, somewhere near the close of the first century, um, after the destruction of the temple in 70. Um, Judaism split into two parts in the year 70 AD, the common era. Um, Judaism was spread into two separate groups. Uh, One going on to what we we would call rabbinical Judaism or the Judaism that you and I know, uh, the people, our neighbors and friends who worship in local synagogues. And the other branch were also Jews, but who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of God, the savior of the world. And they split off into another branch, which came to be known ultimately uh, as the church. And that's us. So as the church was going into two different ways, uh, and John was writing, it was now three generations um, after Jesus' life, death, resurrection, maybe four generations. And people needed to remember the stories about Jesus and needed to be reassured Um, that he was still with them. The first generation, of course, knew Jesus personally, and then the first and second knew parents and grandparents who knew him. Um, But then by this time, lots of folks have no firsthand or secondhand knowledge of Jesus. And so the gospel was written to reassure um, these new Christians of the abiding nature of God. And the gift of what would come to be known as the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Truth. Now, the word that uh, John uses to refer to the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Truth is paraclete. It's a Greek word, and it means uh, someone who is an intermediary for you, someone who who represents you and your interests, um, perhaps like an attorney in a court of law, someone who speaks for you. But other interpretations of uh, paraclete could be um, a comforter or a counselor, like an attorney is a counselor at law, Um, one who provides direction or one who advocates for you. And that's what we'll read this morning. That's the translation will contain the word, the advocate for the paraclete. It could even mean broker, somebody who makes things happen uh, for you. But the promise is that this advocate or the spirit of truth or the comforter or the counsel or whatever word we use to give a sense of the meaning of the Greek um, is someone who will abide with us to assist us, to um, provide help uh, when we need it. In this passage, Jesus uh, will use the Aramaic word to refer to God as Abba. Now, some of you, when you hear the word Abba, you think of a Broadway show, or you might think of the Swedish pop group upon which the show is based, right? Well, that's a modern use of Abba, but the ancient meaning of Abba was like Papa, or Daddy, or Dear Father, okay? And think about it. In our own language, Mama and Papa, right? Sometimes the baby's first words, Mama, Papa, Abba, see how they all work with a ba 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 sound. Okay, so when Jesus refers to uh, God as Abba, he's expressing not the idea that God is a man or a father per se, but that God is personal, compassionate, comforting, 
ready to help us, to direct us, to guide us, to assist us um, in our living. And so, from the Gospel of John in the 14th chapter. See, the Bible is the people's book. That's why it sits in the middle of the sanctuary, and we read from it when we are worshiping to God. That's what church means, you know. The Greek root of church is ekklesia, and ekklesia is the root of church. It's an assembly, a gathering of people. So from the 14th chapter, this is the last night of Jesus' life. He's with his closest friends. He's saying all kinds of things that are so hard for them to hear because they're emotionally very touching and they're worried that something's going to happen to Jesus, which of course does. He's betrayed and he's tried and crucified, you know, in the coming days. Um, so Jesus is reassuring them. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let me pause there for a minute. Now, the Gospel of John is oftentimes called the gospel of love. It's the most spiritual gospel, people say. Um, it's the gospel which Jesus talks about love insistently. But notice here, love is not an emotion. For John, God's love or our love is not an emotion. It's not how we feel. It's what we do. It's how we act. So if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, it's not just a statement of affection or desire or liking. It's a commitment to the way in which you're going to live, the way in which you're going to act to fulfill the commandments that God, Jesus, is giving them. And of course, in the 15th chapter, you know, if, you know, to live in my love is to love one another as I have loved you, you are the vine and I am the branch. You are the, I am the vine and you are the branches. We're all connected. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask Abba, the father, this lovely term, Abba, and I will ask Abba, who will give you another advocate, the paraclete, another advisor, another friend, another counselor, comforter, energizer, another advocate who will be with you forever. So Jesus may be leaving them, but this advocate, this paraclete, will be coming to be with you forever. And this is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees nor knows, but you know this paraclete, because this paraclete, this advisor, this comforter, abides with you and will be in you. So Jesus is saying it's not that the world can't, it's not being prohibited from receiving this spirit, but it can't receive it because it won't see it. It won't know it. You have to have, Jesus says over and over again in the Gospels, let those who have eyes see let those who have ears hear. Just because we have eyes and ears doesn't mean we see things, right? 
We can look past through things. We can ignore people because we think we know all about them and we don't really know anything. We can hear somebody start to speak and we can stop listening. And what are you saying is look, pay attention, open your ears, unstop your, open your eyes, unstop your ears to perceive the gift of the advisor who's with you. And then he continues, but I will not leave you desolate like an orphan. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will see me no longer. I'll be gone. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. So while Jesus is physically gone, he is spiritually present to us and with us and in us. This paraclete, this comforter, this counselor, this advocate is in us and with us and for us forever. And we are all one. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, we had a wonderful uh, conversation. And I want to share with you the thoughts of uh, two of the men who were there. Casey Malqueen, near the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about how we're coping, you know, with coronavirus and the shutdown and all the anxiety that comes with that. And, and Casey Malqueen said, I'm going to quote him now, I hope fairly, um, it all begins with love. When we know that we are loved, when we know that we are loved, then we are not afraid. And when we are not afraid, we can see and know how we are all connected. When it begins with love, we're not afraid. And when we're not afraid, we can see and know how we are all connected and how we are responsible for each other because we are connected, how we are responsible for each other in God's love. Casey said that this is the source of his not feeling overwhelmed, overcome uh, by what's going on with the uh, coronavirus. It's helping him face up to the uncertainty and continue in a trusting relationship uh, with God. And as the conversation went on, um, Paul Cahill quoted uh, a line that he had heard in a sermon uh, many years ago, not from the pulpit of First Church. I think it's probably from a, a church where he worshiped before he and Ellen came here. But Paul quoted the preacher as saying, when you trust, you can love. And when you love, you can live. Right? When you trust, you can love. And when you love, you can live. I think one of the things that we're learning 
in this troubled time is how we are all deeply connected to each other and responsible for each other. And I think we're also discovering in a new way the grave inequities, inequalities that exist within our society and economy. The lack of access to healthcare for African-Americans, for native peoples, the first peoples of our continent, for Latinx people who always suffer grave uh, inequalities in access to medical care. The rates at which African-Americans and Indian people are occurring oftentimes at double the rate of European Americans. The ways in which people who are deemed to be essential workers, bus drivers, first responders, sanitation workers, people in the culinary arts and in the food service industry um, who are considered essential but are widely exposed to the virus and who are working at very, very low wage. How so many people now, because they've lost their employment, have no health insurance in a time of a pandemic not to have health insurance. That doesn't make any sense. That's unjust. That's not love. That's not love. You see, justice is what love looks like in public, right? And so as we help each other, serve each other, care for each other, we have to be caring for our whole society, reaching out to every element. As this begins to subside and we uh, regain some sense of normalcy, as a people, as a nation, we're going to have to really reassess how our society is ordered um, and restructure those forces that are really unjust and provide for equal access uh, to all the necessary services, the human rights. Healthcare is a human right for every American, every person. And as the virus moves across the face of the globe, how those who are already impoverished and living in very desperate circumstances now confronted by the coronavirus, how the whole world has to pay attention and restructure. And this can be a new beginning. The, the season of Easter is the season of new birth. I believe that it's a re time for the rebirth of our deep connection uh, to each other and therefore to acknowledge our mutual responsibility for each other, to trust in God and knowing that we are trusting in God and finding that love and thereby living in the way that Jesus called us. If you love me, said Jesus, you will follow my commandments. You will fulfill my teachings. And so in this new season of birth, in this Easter season, let us all commit ourselves to living because of the advocate who is with us always will show us the way.
Amen.